Hi, welcome to the Layman's Journey. This week we'll be taking a look at the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I'm your co-host Raphael and joined as always by James. James here. You want to start us off with the Antiphon? Look to your covenant, O Lord, and forget not the life of your poor ones forever. Arise, O God, and defend your cause, and forget not the cries of those who seek you. I like this. To me, it's kind of a prayer. <laughs> you know, it's... I, don't forget about us. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And I like how just how... Not forceful, but intentful, it sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Defend your cause. Well, that's what we're here for. <laughs> that's the plan. Yeah. Um, so, how about the first reading? Uh, did you get anything from it? I really enjoyed the first reading. Um, on multiple levels. Uh, first, it was just that all of the most powerful examples of nature that are just powers beyond anything that a human could stand up against um, isn't what God chose to be in, and instead he chose to be in a whisper. Um, I think that kind of shows a true power, right? Like when you are the most powerful person in a room, you don't have to shout for people to listen to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this kind of is pointing a finger directly at that example where God is in control of all of these immense forces and he doesn't have to use them to be all powerful. Mm -hmm. I I like that. Like that, that's kind of what I was getting to was this like kind of, you know, all of these things that are happening are loud and very forceful, right? And like, or what you would imagine an all-powerful being would herald their arrival with. But instead, you see our God come with a like tiny whispering sound, right? And I think it's this level, I guess like it's also like a level of confidence, but also humbleness, which is kind of, I don't know. It's 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 kind of what you want, we would want in a god, right? You wouldn't want one necessarily that's overwhelming and overpower, like just a dictator and using everything, all their power, all the time, right? But in this moment, we we see a god that is so confident, that is so sure of itself that it doesn't need, like what you said, all these showy signs to represent um, God. It's just a whisper, and I think. It's really telling that it's this tiny whispering sound too. Like it, they, they are trying to really get across this idea of it being like barely noticeable, I guess. Right, and I mean, I think that's just the point: is that when you are the loud, angry tyrant that shouts all the time, um, it's really you. I think most of the time you're acting that way out of a fear of losing your power, mm-hmm. and because God is infinitely powerful he has no fear of that so it's kind of the ultimate demonstration of power to be able to present yourself in this small insignificant way and still be you know the scariest most powerful thing Mm -hmm. um i also liked it because i mean elijah is just a freaking he's a beast i I mean he he stood for all this crazy, scary stuff while he's hiding in a cave, you know, but it's like all this stuff is going on and he's just like waiting for God to show, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And then God shows, and it's clear that God is far more terrifying than any of the things that came before. Mm-hmm. And while it says Elijah hid his face, he still went and stood before God, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's a next level bravery, right? It's like this thing yeah. that's scarier than anything that we have ever experienced. And this guy is able to stand before it. And I, I think, like you kind of were saying too, is like he was extremely courageous too because he stood there in front of an earthquake, winds that were crushing the mountains, and fire. And he, he like, he never, he didn't hide his face at any point, right? He, like, he just stared it um, head on and then took it. But then when that tiny whispering sound came, he hid his face and then went outside. And I think it's, it's interesting that like how like you said in the something so courageous would be would show i guess a little care in the face of something so tiny right yeah i mean it just it it kind of tells you what that encounter with god would have been like (laughs) 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 must have been very terrifying but i think that's you know uh, also brings with it that level of respect you know it's not we're not supposed to fear God in a way that he's tyrannical, but just mm. fear him in the realization of how powerful he is, you know? Um, and I think those are, that's a very important distinction to make. Mm. And I think it's kind of like also a reminder to be respectful, right? It's like, like kind of you said, it's not this fear of a tyrant, but it's this idea that he should be respected because of his, um, power and capabilities and it's something that we like i don't know it's, it's harder i guess word for me but I, I think the main idea is to be respectful of it yeah yeah and like i think that that kind of an encounter would make you respectful in a way you know it's yeah. not something that everybody experiences and obviously even Elijah, we aren't as humans really worthy of this kind of an encounter, hmm. um, but God graces some of us with it. Um, but I think it's, yeah, it's it just kind of shows this respect that it's kind of hard for me to find these days. I also think it's interesting that it says the Lord will be passing by. So it's not like Elijah's not even like facing God directly, right? It's it's possible he he's just experiencing a remnant of him as he's passing by. And it still, you know, leaves behind this this strength, this effect. Right. Right. The other thing that really spoke to me about this reading was um that there's obviously very many massive tumultuous things going on in the world right now. And mm. um this reading is kind of saying, at least to me, that's not where we should be looking for God, mm. right? Like we need to look for God in the smaller things. And I, I don't know, that's just kind of what I was getting out of it. I, I, I think I can see that point of view too, right? It's like, I think a lot of us are drawn to or attracted to well, I guess maybe it's just the media only portraying it, but like all we hear in the news is like all these terrible things. And I, I think you're right. I think this is a ri- reminder for us to be hopeful and to 
look for God in the smaller moments, you know, in our lives or maybe in our friends' lives that aren't reported by the news. Yeah. Do you, Do you have anything want, else? Oh, uh, no, no. I was gonna ask if you wanted to move on to the psalm. I, I yeah. yeah, sure. How uh, how did you like it? I I think kind of like piggybacking off what you said for the first reading. It's another message for us now during these um like really terrible times. Is Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. It's just a reminder that we should be hoping in Him and that He is going to be present to grant us the salvation that we want. Yeah, yeah, and the words kind of seemed like a promise, you know. Mm. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him and prepare the way of his steps. You know, it's kind of a a promise with a tag. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, we should be preparing the way of his steps. But he will come and give his benefits. And uh, that was a good reminder to me. You know, it's easy to just feel depressed. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, but just these reminders of, you know, God has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken us. Mm-hmm. And he will give his benefits. It's something to, you know, strive for, right? If your focus is to prepare the way of his steps, then that's the best you can do. Yeah, you know, I mean, like that's <laughs> yeah. the the single best, greatest way to live your life. And um, just a reminder, like that is, you know, it's not we're we're not some like slaves just put here to do some random arbitrary bidding, but mm. you know, we're here because God cares about us, and we should prepare the way for Him because of our great respect for him and you know if we focus on him then we will be given his benefits even though we're, we'll still be unworthy uh it's just kind of like a great blessing you know mm-hmm. i think also kind of going off your idea of like preparing the way is in the second verse kindness and truth shall meet justice and peace shall kiss i I like that idea for me seems it's it's interesting. I think like it kind of intertwines the idea that kindness and truth um aren't the same, right? Because like if you're being truthful someone, I think it only is helpful if the intention behind it is to, is kindness, right? Because I think right. some people use the truth to hurt others, whereas if the intention is to use the truth to help, it's it's different, right? Something that originally was hurtful. I think can be turned into something that is instead helpful. Right, exactly. It's kind of like that previous conversation we've had a few times about, you know, having those tough conversations with your friends. Um, if they have a, a problem and, you know, kind of bringing it up and making mm. them aware of it, uh, it's it's easy to do that and speak the truth in a very hurtful manner. Uh, yeah. And it's hard to find the correct words to say it in a in a peaceful manner. Mm. But here we see that if you try to do it in a peaceful manner, justice will prevail, right? Because the idea is right. justice isn't there for your own self 
gratification. It's there for ensuring, kind of like what you were saying before, that we are preparing the way for um, Jesus. We're making the world a better place. Right, and trying to you know help bring as many of our brothers and sisters as we can to him. What did uh, you think of the second reading? I, I the second reading, it was it was interesting. It, like it's, I liked it, but I don't know what about it I liked necessarily. So I guess maybe do you have any ideas, and I'll see if anything clarifies up in my head. Uh, yeah, for me, it spoke a lot um, when Paul says. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. To me, that I mean, that's something I, I've spent a lot of my time thinking about just in my random thoughts. It's like, you know, if you had the capacity to, you know, do commit some great sin to save other people's souls, to save them from being corrupted, like what would be the the cost of that? Now I was thinking about it like, you know, would 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 I be willing to do this and potentially, you know, lose God and go to hell or whatever if it meant that I could keep other people from going to hell. And you know, I thought about it quite a bit, and I was, I, you know, to me, my gut tells me that with the correct intentions, I don't think that you would end up in hell, anyways. Um, mm. If your intent is to save other people's souls, I don't know how that could even be really considered a sin. Um, but even if it was, um, it seems almost like. At the start, to me, it felt like a numbers game. It's like, well, sure, if I can even save two souls, it's worth my one soul, right? Um, But then I was thinking about it, and it's like, even if you prevent a corruption from happening, it doesn't mean that you've saved their souls, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think that if people are going to be corrupted, a lot of times they're just going to be corrupted, and it doesn't matter where that corruption comes from. So it's better to, the roundabout way I got to was that it's better to focus on the positives of trying to build people, mm-hmm. trying to build people up than trying to destroy corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of goes back to uh, something I talked about previously was that in our current society, everything is negative, right? Like if you stand for something, the way that you show it is you try and tear down the thing that you're against. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of people that are focusing solely on that positive building up what they're for. Um, and this is kind of where I got to in my theory is that like it would be better to focus your time on building up people's souls for goodness than it would be to focus your time on destroying corruption. Um, and I, th- I think, based on what you're saying, is that I think a really key point here is that destroying corruption doesn't necessarily mean it will stop it 
from happening later on, right? Right. And I think that that's a, that's a really good point that you're making here is if we instead build up people, it doesn't matter if corruption exists because if you're not susceptible to it, it's not going to do anything to you. Exactly. It's the right. give, a, give a man fire or teach him how to build it argument, right? Mm. And um, I think yeah. at, at the heart of it, you're also like... Do you want it, to? It, I think it's like, do you want to strengthen people, or do you want to build a safe environment for them? Right, like, like you right. said with the the boom fire example. Like, one choice is it's harder, but in the end, you're making people that are more devout, more true to who they are, instead of because I, I think based on I think I don't remember which one, but one of our podcasts we were talking about this. Right, if you never have a chance to face your weaknesses and you never self-reflect on that then you're never gonna get stronger right and then if the next time corruption comes around if you don't have that shield let's say to protect you from it then it's gonna be easier for you to fall to it right right exactly like and and, you know i mean for that exact example you gave i can speak from personal experience um you know when i was in college and i was being nihilistic and a loser and all that (laughs) Uh, um you know i i was corrupted at that point but because i came out of it on the other side i'm a lot stronger for it and i'm a lot stronger in my faith and i think the likelihood of falling back into that nihilism is very very low um because i've already faced it so yeah i think that you know the building up is better but I think the danger is going too far over into that camp and then because of that tolerating the corruption which we should mm-hmm. never do. Um so it's kind of you know I haven't quite come to a conclusion there where's the balance, right? Mm-hmm. Because you want to be this positive force that's building and not destroying, but you also on the other side don't want to be tolerating evil. Mm-hmm. Um I think the focus there is like I think I agree with you. I think I don't think we should be tolerating, but I think we should be compassionate about it, right? I think that that is like you show compassion for the person, but no tolerance for the actions, right? Because right. I think, yeah, and and you're right. Like it's it's a really hard line to draw, right? It's like how much you know. Let's say someone's doing something that's really bad for them, and like we're their friends, and you know, I think. A part of it is the society teaching as like everyone, you know, you want to be respectful of people's individual choices, but then sometimes you can see like those choices are hurting them, right? And I think that, like you said, it's it's a, sometimes it's a sacrifice we make, right? When we get into those conversations and we try to get the point across them, it's like, hey, I care about you, I care about your soul and your well being, and what you're doing here is hurting yourself, right? And then if and I think we, we do our best with compassion to address those. And I, I think sometimes it's hard because they're like, hey, you're hurting our friendship and stuff. You know, let's not talk about this anymore. And then at that point, it's like, if you give up on them, you're just tolerating the action, right? And I think it's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard line when you face it. Yeah. And I think, man, I had a thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no worries. It's, it's a more a matter to me uh difficult to be compassionate when it's not just somebody uh damaging themselves but somebody that's corrupting others you know mm-hmm. like you see people that are corrupting small children and that gets to me 
<laughs> no, that's, that's fair. Right. And it's like, it's very hard to be compassionate to that person that's corrupting small children. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to what degree is the true compassion, right? Because we talked about true compassion before. Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, corrupting anyone is something that should never be tolerated, I don't think. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, where, where do you draw that line? I think it's hard. I think for me, I think like I, I have the ideal scenario, right? And which is like, we, we stick to it and then we talk to the person about it. But then I think it just seems like people get switched off so easily and they go into the defensive and they're like, hey, this is my life, you know, stay out of it. And then once they say that, no matter what you say, is not going to get across, right? Right. So, and then at that point, it's like, do we tolerate it so hopefully we can help them down the line? Or at that point, is that relationship, I guess, closed off for us? And that doesn't seem like it should be the case, right? Because I feel like God would want us to keep trying no matter what. Right. And it's like, if, you know, somebody says that, it's my life. I'm going to live it how I want. There's not a good way to get the point across that we live in society mm. with each other. Like we are, even at if you, if you are a nihilist, even at the most basic biological level, we are societal creatures. Like mm. it's, it's how it's always been, and um, there's plenty of proof that the average person is depressed if they have no other human interaction Mm. um so when you say it's my life i'm gonna live it how how i want then that's being you know pretty selfish right (laughs) and you're not thinking about the rest of society because your actions are part of that society and have an effect on that society um and getting that realization to come across is very difficult, I think. And I think that some of that might stem from the fact that it's just like they're doing it to protect themselves, right? Because facing the truth more often than not is is painful. Right. Yeah, definitely. So maybe that's where the compassion bit comes in, right? Like you try to have them face that truth, but know that while they're facing it, you're with them. Right. Yeah. and you know, that just being aware that it's, it's hard to face truths about yourself. Um, and so, yeah, having that understanding of the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. I really liked the verse of the gospel acclamation. I wait for the Lord my soul waits for his word. I just thought it was very beautiful. I, it, it's like, it seems so simple, yeah, I feel like it's so full of this wanting, right? You, you're waiting for the Lord, and then, I, I guess like, it's kind of like, going back to the first reading, my soul waits for his word, right? You're, you want, like, so much goes on around us, and it's so hard sometimes to hear God. 
especially if he chooses, you know, a tiny whispering sound. And I think that what you were saying in the first reading kind of speaks to this, right, is that we should always be ready to hear him. And, we sh- and he's not going to necessarily choose the most to-the-point way to communicate with us because he's so powerful. He doesn't need to do that. And I think that it's, a lot of it is put on us to kind of just, you know, we wait, but we should also be prepared. Right, right. Have your soul waiting for his word. It has so much depth to it. You have to be ready to receive that word. Mm. And I just like, I read this and I just instantly thought, you know, I want this, I think I'm going to make my slogan. (laughs) Because this is like, it's so meaningful and it's so brief. Mm. And it's just with those words, like no matter what horrible situation you put yourself in, theoretically, you think, thinking those words, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits for his word. It, it, it makes me feel like I could get through anything. It, there's like an assurance to it, right? Yeah. Like, no matter what you're going through, it doesn't matter what's going on, because you yourself, you're waiting, you're ready. And that, I, I guess, like, for, you're right. It, like, it gives me the strength to just face anything, right? Because you know that that challenge you're facing isn't the goal of your life, right? The goal of your life is to wait for God, wait for his word. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I loved this. <laughs> I, I, I feel like th- this acclamation also just reinforces that idea, though, that sometimes the simplest things are the best things for us, right? Because, like, we've seen other readings where they, like, wax on and off poetically, but this just seems so simple and to the point, yet it feels so meaningful at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I just get so much out of it. (laughs) really like it. Uh, What did you think of the gospel? Every time I, I, I like I read gospels with the disciples, you know, I, I like to picture myself in the same shoes as them and see how it react. And I feel like I don't know if I would have the courage to take that step off the boat, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, how do you? <laughs> You're in a raging storm, you know. How do you step out of the boat? I thought the same thing. I was like, dang, Peter and Elijah and Paul, all of them, it's just like this kind of, they're so ready to just do what the Lord has for them to do. Mm. But, you know, it also, I liked it because they also have a human aspect. Like, Mm -hmm. Elijah did hide his face. Peter was afraid and did start to sink. And it's like, that kind of helps, I guess, relate to them. And I think it's also kind of like a reminder that God knows that we're human, right? And like, I think the the first part of Peter walking out and I, and like being able to walk on water, I think like that's God's hope for all of us, right? To to be that faithful, to have that much confidence, and then when you see him be frightened, you know. That, that for us is a reminder that we're human. 
Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to lack that faith and confidence. Because I think like Jesus says, oh, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt, right? Um, and I think that that reassures us that we can get through these situations. And I, I think, once again, I don't know if I could even take a step off that boat, but it's, it's kind of like the idea that we, we want to be at that point in our faith, right, where we can just, you know, God calls us and we just take those steps. Absolutely. And it's so, it's such an important skill, you know, for us to develop that we have this readiness, a sense of like a, a racehorse behind the fence before the bell rings, you know, <laughs> it, it's, we have to have that kind of eagerness so that once we hear our mission, there's no time for this fear reaction or this other reaction. It's mm -hmm. just all of our energy that we've been penting up for this moment, you know, it just releases and we go. That's kind of how I, I think about it for myself. It's, but it's hard. It's hard to do that. It's hard to maintain that kind of expectation and that kind of pent up energy mm -hmm. and, and not have the knowledge of, of when the bell is going to ring, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that that is, that's a skill that, that we should all work on developing is, is building up that excitement, you know, God has a mission for us. And why would we not be excited to hear what it is and do it, right? And so that's kind of what I was thinking when I heard about Peter getting out of the boat. You know, it's like initially putting myself in that context, it seems hard to get out of that boat. But the other thing about that moment is God is talking to you. Mm -hmm. And he's telling you what he wants you to do. And if you have that kind of eagerness, I feel like you just go, you know? Mm -hmm. I think, I think like that's like kind of what we want, right? It's like we want to hear that call. Um, and you're right. At that moment, why wouldn't we just give it our all, right? Because at that moment, you have a chance at fulfilling a clear instruction, right? A clear want of God. And we spend a lot of our lives going, is this like, is this the right thing to do? Are we doing the right thing? Is this our vocation? And I think that you're right. Like having experienced that for a lot of my life, I think to have something clear like that is you're right. Why would you doubt at that point? Right. And I mean, that's kind of what gives me the drive to try and, pent up this excite excited energy because it's it's so hard to find your vocation right like that's a hard thing to do and so it makes sense to be excited about finding it right like if you figure out what it is you're being called to do that's worth being excited for and i guess that's where you know, the the excitement and the energy comes from is that I know at some point I'll know what I need to do. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is enough to be excited for.
Is there uh, anything else about the gospel? I mean, I think I could keep going on and on without adding much content. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I just like it, for me, it's like the the your what you said about your vocation and your call like really wraps it up for me. I think is this idea of just being excited and then ready ready to go, right? Yeah. Shall I end with the community antiphon? Yeah, that sounds good. O Jerusalem, glorify the Lord who gives you your fill of the finest wheat. Would you like to pray? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father, for gathering us today as we examine your word, as we build up the excitement and the courage and the energy to pursue our vocation um, when you call us. Today, I would like to pray for the courage to, when we come across these opportunities or these chances at following your, your words or your plan, that we take them with full confidence and, and full of energy. I'd like to pray for the blessing of your vocations given to each one of us. I know you have a plan for the time, but we all want our vocations. For the prayers that we have spoken out loud and for those that we hold within our hearts, we lift them up to you, Lord. Today we'd like to pray a prayer of courage. Dear God, give me courage, for perhaps I lack it more than anything else. I need courage before men against their threats and against their seductions. I need courage to bear unkindness, mockery, contradiction. I need courage to fight against the devil, against terrors and troubles, temptations, attractions, darkness and false lights, against tears, depression, and above all fear. I need your help, dear God. Strengthen me with your love and your grace. Console me with your blessed presence and grant me the courage to persevere until I am with you forever in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Amen.